You're listening to The C Word Radio, the podcast where we ask, what the f*** does young cancer survivorship mean? With me, Helen King, and guests. Subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hello and welcome back to The C Word Radio. It is so lovely to have you join me. If you're someone who uses a humour to get you through tough situations, you are going to enjoy today's episode. I am certainly one of those people and have definitely used dark humour to get me through some of the tougher times during my cancer treatment. Olivia Clark created the website Humour Beats Cancer after her diagnosis with breast cancer in 2015. Her treatment experience helped her learn the importance of finding ways to experience joy and laughter, even when life doesn't feel very funny. I first met Olivia in 2020 when I was going through treatment for breast cancer. She reached out on Instagram and asked me if I'd like to write something for the website. I will link that story in the show notes. It's basically about some of the terrible bum issues you can have during chemotherapy. So I hope you get a little bit of a laugh out of that. At the end of last year, Olivia's cancer returned and the importance of finding joy and laughter became even more important. This is Olivia's story. Thank you so much for joining me, Olivia. It's lovely to finally connect with you kind of in person. I'm so thankful. Thank you for um, you know having me on. I'm really excited to participate in this. It really sounds like you have a really strong focus and a, it's an interesting topic overall, survivorship. Yeah, yeah. It's such a loaded word, I feel, as well, because it does mean so many different things. So I would actually really like to start there. And it's a big question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's tease it out. What does survivorship mean for you? Yeah, for me, um, you know, especially as it relates to cancer, I think it's about how you move on from this very traumatic experience and re-enter the world of the living and you know how do you pick up your life as it's changed since cancer and I think that that's super tricky and that's really hard and I don't think that those who haven't gone through cancer I don't think they completely understand that phase of our lives because most people are like oh you you've been cured or your cancer's gone away or it's in remission or whatever and so you're good now you can come back and you can be exactly the same person that you were before cancer. And that's so not possible in most situations because it's just, I mean, anytime anybody goes through any sort of traumatic experience, you come out the other side and you're a different person. You know, everybody talks about it, whether you went to war or you, you know, had a you know problem with child or whatever it is. I really think that you're a different person. And I feel like that's for me is kind of figuring out who you are post-cancer and what that means to you as well to the people around you, or maybe used to you as you were before, or or even were more used to you as you're going through cancer, that you were someone who they could help and they could bring a meal to, or they can, you know, have a glass of wine with and they feel good about themselves. And now they're not sure what to do with you now that you're past cancer. So I think survivorship is just really figuring all of that out, which is so easy, right? <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> Just, you know, you wake up and you, it's like you go to sleep, like Sleeping yeah. Beauty, and you wake up and you're like, a whole new world, yay. But yeah. Jumped out of bed. I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's so not possible. It's really, really isn't. I think cancer is transformative in a way, and whether that is good or bad, I don't know. 
I have said before in previous episodes that I don't know whether I can truly say I'm really grateful I got cancer. Like there's part of me that thinks, you know what, if I hadn't got cancer, I would have lived a different path and it would have been what had ever happened. But I, that's not the card I was dealt. And so I re yeah, that resonates with me of trying to figure out, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What now? What now? No, it's so true. I felt like when I got down with breast cancer, I did kind of change completely. I really assessed my life and I felt like I wasn't giving back enough to society and to people around me. And I wasn't as good of a friend or as good of a sister or an aunt as I could be. And I really did kind of focus on that. And it it took me down a path of doing a lot of volunteering and it took me down a path of trying to really be there for the relationships in my life. But it also, I mean, it had some negative impact on me too. I um, I got divorced after uh, post-cancer. And I do think that a big piece of it was that I was different when I walked into the marriage. I wasn't the type of person, I think we had both changed in different ways, but I had changed a lot because of cancer. And so it really was hard to figure out who to be. And, and in the end, that relationship just had run its course. And that was really hard. So, I mean, I think there are positive and negative effects post-cancer in my life for sure. Oh, absolutely. It has collateral damage, doesn't it? And I think that's something that isn't spoken about. Maybe it is your romantic relationship or, you know, I know for myself, friends. I've lost a lot of friends because exactly the same things. It's I changed. And so, you know, some people can't cope with that or maybe they don't fit anymore. And it's interesting because I think even in my immediate family, it's changed the dynamic as well, you know. And so I think those things we don't talk about a lot. We don't just sort of all go through this dumpster fire it is it's so true and it's I at least for myself was very hard on myself like I wanted to go back to the person I was pre-cancer I mean I really wanted to and it and it's a lot of guilt I mean you have a little guilt because you're, you can't be there and stuff sometimes in the ways you were in the past for people I mean you mentioned friends I mean I had a friend who was with me throughout the whole cancer journey but by the end, she was really just tired of like, it was a lot about me. And she even said that. And we ended up not being friends afterwards because she felt like it did become, she became too much of a caregiver and not like a friend. Like I wasn't there for her, for her things. She was only there for me. I had a lot of guilt about that for a long time. Like, like what should I have done differently? But I think a lot of times there's nothing you can do about it. It's just because it is, like, I mean, I go back to the fact that it is such a traumatic experience. It is such like, something where you're just like you're in a war and you're fighting for your life and I know cancer survivors hate that fighting mentality but I do feel like there are days when you have to push yourself to get up and you push yourself to keep going and that is a fight it's a fight with yourself to like keep going sometimes actually and it's really funny I can't think what I was listening to recently and it was talking about often kind of could withhold the physical stuff because I knew for instance when I had a chemo infusion the day after would be a bit you know iffy but that third day to about day five whoa <laughs> that, those are my gnarly days but when you know there is kind of an end to things it was easier to deal with it was the mental stuff that was really really challenging and I think that's what people can't or find it hard to cope with is that you know I know for myself I often just go 
inward, I sort of, yeah, hunker down and think, how am I walking through this? And I think that's much harder for people around us to navigate. Well, I find it so fascinating too that, so I went through breast cancer in 2015 is when I was diagnosed. And there wasn't all of this talk about self-care. There wasn't a lot of, there weren't all these memes. And I think a lot of it does come out of COVID too, that there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, take care of you. It's okay to cancel plans, everything. And none of that messaging was out there when, when I was going through it. I feel like, I mean, that that is a bit of a help now, I think, because there is so much encouragement to focus on you and it's okay to sit on the couch and watch TV. When I was going through it, there was definitely a push that you still had to be just as active. And then even post-cancer, you had to continue to just, you jump right back in and you just keep going and, you know, pick up where you left off. And that's just so hard to do because- you are dealing with that mental stuff that you were talking about. Like you just, it really does impact how you live your life. Absolutely. And it's really interesting because I think part of the reason I started this podcast or wanting to seek out other younger people who had had cancer was that stuff because I was not doing, I wasn't running between <laughs> the I wasn't at the gym and I know some people can, and that's fantastic. I was not one of those people and it, it has been a very slow process for me to get some semblance of physical health back and that sort of stuff. And I, was, I think part of me is like, where are those people? I need to find you. <laughs> I need to know that this is okay and normal, that I'm just, yeah, I'm so not okay. <laughs> you know, I mentioned that I, just before Thanksgiving, I was diagnosed, my cancer had come back yeah. and it's such a different mentality now because yeah, you're right. Like I was, the first time around, I was going to yoga classes and doing this stuff. And then now, I mean, and partially it is because of COVID, you know, you can't go as many places, but I feel like it's just enough for me to like, go take a nap. It's like, it's like a real treat versus going to all these working out and stuff like that. I feel like that's a, or, you know, ordering my favorite type of dinner is like a very nice gift and everything. And I think it definitely does change your perspective of like, stop pushing yourself so hard. And I, you know, in terms of survivorship post-cancer, I think that's a big message is you don't need to push yourself so much. Like you just like sit in it a little bit and like, think about it and don't be so hard on yourself if you're not the same person you were before. Cause I just, man, we just beat ourselves up the whole time. And just particularly women, we just beat yeah. ourselves up and everything. And I think that that, I love that you're like looking for people who, who that mentality, because it can be hard because you start seeing all these like posts of people. Yeah. I still ran a marathon while going through chemo. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how is that even possible? Like, you know, I, I put my shoes on today. That was like a big challenge. Let me tell you. And you know, it's like, it's so different than like it was before this, the going through it again. So it's fascinating. It is so funny, isn't it? Because I, yeah, my milestones were things like if I could walk up to the letterbox during some of those last chemo cycles, that was okay. And I can even remember, I think I'd just finished radiation or maybe I was between. And, you know, I was so in a hurry to get better, to be well, to be fixed, to be, to put the cancer behind me. And so I tried to push and I just couldn't do things. And so, yeah, I would try and, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Oh, I'm going to try this thing. And I think the truth for me was there was actually, I had no energy for it. There was no mental space for you, hobby. <laughs> you're sitting down and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I went through all of this stuff. Like, it's just, I mean, like all of it is just so crazy when, if you played it to people, like, 
like radiation. I mean, just like this amount of radiation going on your body to a small spot where the cancer is. I mean, that alone is like exhausting. And then the stress, it weighs on you in addition to the cancer. And so, yeah, there's so much that you take out of this experience and you just can't shake it off in like one day or something. No, and it's really funny. Originally connected with Olivia was through her fantastic website, Humor Beats Cancer. I will put all those links in the show notes. Thank you. And I shared my experience. I had horrific, and I mean horrific constipation when I had AC chemo. And I was, I mean, my partner and I had been together for maybe six months when I was diagnosed with cancer. So we were facing some things pretty quickly. And one of them was bodily functions. And you just have to quickly get over that stuff. But even that sort of stuff happening and your body breaking down, all of those things take a while to go, holy heck, that was that was weird, wasn't it? I know, I know. When you like reflect back and you're like, huh. I can't believe I, I mean, I just, they're just like, I just even remember even just walking out of chemo and kind of being in that haze that you're yeah. in. And then we always went to lunch after that at a restaurant. Yeah. I was like, I was like, why did we do that? Like, why didn't we just get food and go home? But I just remember sitting there, like I was completely stoned or something like, just like, like eyes big, like, Whoa, this was crazy times. And so I just, there's just things you do and you're like, why did I make that more difficult on myself? You know, I drove myself to radiation. Because this is the thing is that your headspace is not well but I wanted to drive myself every day to radiation because I didn't want to burden anyone else to have to drive through the school mm -hmm. traffic because it was the hospital was in a big school zone and, and it's so funny that that's where my head was was right I'm going to get up every morning for 11 days and drive myself. No, I know well for me with radiation I was like I need to have the earliest appointment so I can get to work and I just remember like running like and I'm like what well, I mean if I had been there like 10 minutes late I don't think anybody would have like freaked out because they knew what I was going through but in my mind I was like I couldn't be a minute late so I was like throwing clothes on and get ready and it was just that was just ridiculous it's like we just make it so much harder for ourselves sometimes you know yeah because I mentioned before that I was in such a hurry you know for things to be back to normal and I ran back into my corporate job and basically everything sort of I don't know it's almost like it all started to fall away it was almost mm -hmm. like the I don't know the universe or something telling me no <laughs> you can't you can't do this and so I think that's an important message is that you know I'm three years post-diagnosis and two years post-active treatment and I've chosen to work for myself because that's the only way I can manage my days and be okay because it's taken a massive toll on my physical health and my I think my mental capability to cope with so much if that makes sense yeah no a hundred percent makes sense I mean and good for you for like recognizing that because I think so many times we just keep trying to go back into our old life and our old ways. And that's just a lot of times not possible. And it just makes it harder on us. I love that you like recognize that and you're like, let's create a new life that makes more sense for me now. And I think that's the best piece of advice is that you really have to, but it's hard. It's really hard to like say goodbye to that old life and be like, okay, this is the new version of me that I'm going to be dealing with. I, that's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And actually, it reminds me of, I am terrible on TikTok because my brain loves it. So <laughs> I spent hours scrolling. But I did come across this gem last night where it was a therapist. And 
this hit home and I think it's relevant for now and it's relevant for anyone who may have had treatment and he was talking about the fact that when you're in the trauma when you are going through so at the moment the world is going through COVID or when we were in our cancer treatment or having it and those sorts of things that the yoga doesn't help the mindfulness really isn't it's okay it's not until you are done with that thing and you feel safe and it's calm that's when the work can happen but nobody tells you that and so you're right I mean I wish that there was I mean I do go to therapy and everything but I do wish that there was like a therapist who would partner with an oncologist and be like be there for you like while you're going through it yeah but then also after even more importantly after the fact and say okay like somebody who really gets cancer and say you know okay so this is what happened this is how you're going to feel you may feel and it's okay it's okay to have bad days it's okay to be still depressed about what you lost because of cancer because i think that that's another thing i mean the stuff i see through human beats cancer i mean like you know, women who had planned to have families and they can't have children now, or I've heard of, you know, a partner leaving them in the middle because it was too hard for them to deal with. And like just these really hard things that on their own are stressful. And then on top of it, you have this disease you just took care of. And so I just wish that there was more talk about mental health throughout the whole experience. Cause I do think that there's that one piece. I mean, they do deal with like, you know, if, if you're feeling tired, take this. If you're feeling this, take that. If you're constipated, take this. Like they try all the things to take, you know, they may say, go see a therapist, but it would be nice to partner more with a therapist throughout the cancer experience. Oh, absolutely. I was really, really lucky that I had met a therapist prior because I'd had really awful work situation and so I found this wonderful beautiful woman who saw me throughout my cancer process entirely for free which was amazing because I wasn't working because she had had bowel cancer it was so helpful because even if I went in and I just went I don't know what to feel it was she knew that I wasn't in that space just yet to be letting out grief because you're still in shock that this thing is happening to you? Yeah. I saw my therapist throughout the whole experience. It was great. And I still see her and still talk to her. And she's great. I do wish though that like there was, that they did some additional training on like cancer and or just illness. And maybe they will now because of COVID. Because I imagine a lot of people are going to walk out of this with some, some heavy baggage that maybe they're going to have to address. And I mean, Nobody understands that better than a cancer patient who is like when they're talking about the symptoms of like smell and taste going, you know, carrying on for a lot of time. I'm like, I mean, there are so many things that we deal with as cancer survivors that we just like, oh, you know, parts of my body are numb. I don't have nipples, you know, like there's all this kinds of stuff that people don't like understand that you don't like completely walk away from it you have like the wounds to the battle wounds and stuff to deal with it oh that's so funny I've been talking about this a lot with people um and I know that you've mentioned that cancer never really feels like it goes away you know it's never mm -hmm. not in your mind and all of those things that you touched on is why is yeah I don't have good finger dexterity now because I'm still a bit numb I only have one breast I yeah so many things and I was saying that exact same stuff where 
this is the part of COVID I don't think people have quite kind of, they haven't clicked to, is that I don't want to get it. I don't have the mental capacity to deal with another chronic disease that it takes years to heal from. And I think the mental and physical toll of that haven't quite twigged onto that. It's not, oh, you've had a heart attack. Oh, you've had, yeah, really bad bout of COVID or this disease. You'll be, you'll start getting better and get on with your life. It's no. <laughs> right. Like some of it may hang for them, hang with them forever. I mean, and yeah, and it, it is, it's just so true that it's just those things that I think keep the trauma present and make it difficult to like get past it, I think. Yeah. And it is, how do I navigate this so that trauma doesn't hold me back, you know, yeah. because that it certainly has for me at times. Like I do feel like, and this is why I'm being so vigilant <laughs> with COVID at the moment, is that I kind of feel like life is opening up again. And I think, yeah, I just don't want to go backwards in that way. And so I'm basically a hermit. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I have been too. And people don't understand. Some of my closest loved ones don't understand why I'm so scared. But it is like, and I can't, uh, to deal with that on top of what we've already gone through and stuff is just a lot. It's just a lot to deal with. I mean, like I, as it is now, I mean, you're talking about survivorship Before I was diagnosed a second time. I freaked out every time, like I had an ache or a pain, or if something was not quite right with me, I was like, oh my God, it's come back. Or right before tests, you know, you have to take your annual test. I mean, towards the beginning, I, I would be a mess crying. I, one time I got one year, I got drunk the night before. Like I just did not handle it in the, like a real healthy space. Like I was just like, cause it's so traumatizing. It's so traumatizing. Just that fear that it's back is just a lot. And it never goes away in my opinion. I mean, maybe for some people it does, but like it never went away for me. It was always in the back of my mind, always kind of reminding me that can hold you back too. Cause there's always that fear that like it's hard to plan stuff sometimes because you're like, what if it comes back or what if this happens and stuff? It really is hard. Oh, yeah. I'm nodding away like one of those dogs that, you know, those, I don't know if they have them in the States with the big oh, You the hit their heads and they bounce like, <laughs> I love those dogs. Yeah, because I think, yeah, that's been a common thread through a lot of the interviews I've done and people I've met. We're so scared of it coming back, you know, and it is frightening because it's like, You've been through it once, you've been through this huge ordeal and yeah, the thought of it coming back just is this ever present thing. And so I did want to talk about that because this is another thing I don't think we do talk about within survivorship or even within the cancer community is that you have experienced it coming back. So what, you know, talk to us about how it was diagnosed as coming back and what has it been like these past few months? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's so interesting because I do think a positive post going through cancer the first time was I really felt connected to my body in a way I'd never had before, where I was really paying attention to when things didn't feel right or when something was off. And I would question it with doctors and they would say, well, let's just hang on and see what it is and see what it is. And I never gave up on myself. I just felt like there was something wrong. And so, so there were a couple of things, like I always have pains in the back of my back, kind of towards the top of my back. And then I also had this cough that wouldn't go away and it would just would hang on and I would get all kinds of inhalers and all kinds of things to treat it. But I just felt like it was something more than that. 
And so then finally they started doing the scans and that's where they found tumors in my lungs and in various other parts of my body and stuff. And also in my bones and stuff, which they think is part of the reason my back was hurting and stuff. So it's, I mean, it was definitely sad and devastating, but at the same time, I did feel a bit of validation that like, I really did know my body and I did know something. And I learned from the first time around how to really push and be an advocate for yourself. And I do think that that is like hugely important because as it was, people kept telling me just, you know, keep the can down, whatever the expression is down the street or whatever and stuff and keep waiting to see what it's going to be. And I just had this feeling when I was going through it, that it was something more. And so that, but, um, you know, going through it a second time and now a stage four is just a completely different experience in that, like, it's never going to go away. There's never going to be that hope. And so that's a little scary. And so it's different. I was a lot more naive the first time. And I just felt like, just do what the doctor's saying. It's going to, you know, taking care of it. And, and that worked out. And I was like, great. This time around, it's a little different because it's like, you know, I just need it to not take me down. Essentially, I need to be able to still live my life. And so there's definitely, I come into it a little bit more informed and, you know, I do miss being ignorant and blind and like, you know, naive to everything and being like, oh, this is going to be fine stuff. And so that's a little bit harder, but I do kind of, I'm just in a different place in my life too, where it's just, I feel like I have been working on myself in between all this a lot more. And I've been doing the things that, and I, I think that maybe, you know, that was to get me ready for this in some way. And so I'm really just trying to be optimistic, you know, since cancer, I really have been living my life as fullest as I can. I've been traveling a lot more, been trying to be a better aunt. I created Humor Beats Cancer. So there's a lot more things that I really am proud of that I feel like I, my life looks a lot different, more different than it was the first time around. And so I'm happy about that. But yeah, it's because, it, you know, our fear when we're survivors is that it's going to come back and then it freaking came back. And so it's like, it was like all that worry for us for this. And so I don't know, I was really upset when I found out and like everything is always because I, you know, like crazy human beats cancer, there's always these like dark humor spots or whatever. And so like, like I got the news, like, I swear, I never get the news in like a good spot. I was on the train on the way to work. And so it's just like, you, so you can't really react and you have to be like, oh, that's interesting. Thank you very much for telling me that I now have this. I appreciate that. And so it's just like, ugh, it's just always my story that everything's always got some funny sides, side part to it. But yeah, I mean, all I can do right now is continue living my fullest life and like try to avoid COVID and do everything the doctors say. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what survivorship means for me now because I'm always going to be in it. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what that means. And I, I find that that would be interesting to learn more from like other stage four cancer patients and stuff is like, how do you survive, I guess, during this? And, you know, and I find that very interesting. I, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've talked to some people and they've talked about this, but like, I find that very fascinating. Like, how do you just keep going when you know it's always with you? Yeah, I have spoken to a, a few people with stage four and it's, yeah, I, they amaze me to be honest. And I feel like there are different ways that people deal with it. And this is just from my observation that a lot of people just go, I'm not going to let this drag me down. I'm going to do every damn thing that I want to do. I'm going to eat the damn cake. I'm going to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the things and but at the same time acknowledging that there's anger and 
all of those things. And then I think some people, they just get really angry and that's okay too, because it's a shitty situation. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's something that would be really interesting and beneficial to talk more with people who are incurable of stage four about what, what does this look like for you? Yeah. When I describe it to loved ones, I try to say it's, I mean, maybe this is not exactly the right comparison, but I was like, you know, it's like diabetes. You're always going to have it. And, you know, and you're always going to have the pump. You're always going to, you know, check your numbers and stuff like that. And that's how I'm trying to think of it is it's like that. It's like if you had diabetes and had to get your insulin or you had, to, and that's what I have to do. I, I get two shots once a month and then every day I take certain pills and trying to relate it to other things that like, okay, so, you know, maybe it's, this is how those people deal with that. I mean, they live full lives. And so maybe that's how I can be too. And so I think that that is like one way that I've been trying to compare it to other people. And it does help to see, you know, when, when I hear people talking about stage four, that just like some people live for 10 years and 15 years and everything. And it's just, and so I don't know if that'll be my fate, but it's, that's encouraging to hear that there are people with so I try to like latch onto that stuff. I will say that as of right now, I cannot read any books about cancer patients. I cannot like watch movies where the person dies at the end with cancer and stuff. That's just like not... I tried, there's an author, I can't think of her, oh, Kate Bowler, I think, or something. And she, and she writes about, she has terminal cancer and stuff. And she writes about things. And I try to listen to her on a podcast and it was just too much for me. Like, it's just, it has to be tinted with humor for me to get through it and stuff. Because I just cannot like hear a sad story right now about someone who passed away from cancer. That's really hard for me right now. Absolutely. And I think that's why I love humor beats cancer is that, I'm similar where I do use humor. <laughs> I don't know whether I reflect with humor or I, I have a terrible um, habit of laughing at inappropriate moments. It is kind of cathartic laughing at the hideous things that this disease does to our body. Right. It really is. I mean, that's what I love. Like I just, because I do think it like, I don't want to say it minimizes it because I always say I don't want to minimize cancer, but I think it does put it into perspective that like, you know, that you're not alone, I guess, that, you know, that there are other people going through the similar issues and, and that it's like, it takes this, the feeling of being alone. And like, because when you're trying to describe this to friends and family who haven't gone through it, they love you and everything, but they just don't understand. But when you go and talking to people who've been through it, there's just this like, oh my God, that happened to you. That happened to me too. That's crazy. You know, oh, we're okay now. And so I think there's definitely that connection that's so special I think that'll be unique for me the second time around because the first time around, I didn't really have that kind of a support network. And this time around, I, I do have the humor beats cancer people and I do have that. And I do think it's, it's made the experience a lot more different than the first time around. Yeah. And I'm really curious as well. I wanted to ask you, was there a situation or incident for you that was your humor beats cancer moment that made you go, I want to provide a platform for people to share these stories? Yeah. I mean, I would probably say there are a couple. So like, there's one story I tell a lot when I do speaking engagements or whatever and stuff. And there's one where while going through cancer, I was in little chemo and I'd lost all my hair. And so I had to wear a scarf around my head. And so me and a couple of friends went to a young adult, like silent auction and drinks event for the American Cancer Society. And it was really fun. And so, and I was feeling good about myself. I thought I looked pretty with the scarf and the matching sweater and all this stuff. And so towards the end of the night, my friends went to go pick up their silent auction items. And I hung back by the table that there's a table in the lobby. And so this girl comes up to me 
And she goes, oh my God, you haven't left yet. Thank God, I'm so glad you're still here. I, I had no idea who she was, but I was just kind of playing along with it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm still here. And she's like, great, I'm ready to hear my fortune. <laughs> and so she, she thought I was a fortune teller, the fortune teller that they had at the event, which I also thought was super ironic that you would have like a fortune teller at a cancer event. I feel like nobody wants to go up and hear their fortune at that point. But yeah, so she literally thought I was like, you know, like a gypsy who is there to read her fortune. So that was like one experience. Like I, all you can do is laugh because you're like, you're feeling so good about yourself. I always say, I felt like I was like the cancer Beyonce. And I was like walking into the room and then to be like, you know, you're brought down to humanity, like you're human. And that she thought I was going to tell her fortune. So I, I would say that's one. And then the other thing was I just sitting in a waiting room at an oncology, I was just crazy time like it tends to be predominantly older people who have so much time on their hands that they don't care like I remember they announced they're like yeah the doctors are running late it's going to be like a three to four hour wait and I had to get back to work and all of these the elderly folks were like that's okay I'll just go get lunch and bring it back and they're like and they bring out magazines and newspapers and books and stuff. And I was like steamed. I was like, oh my God, this is craziness. And I just remember laughing because it was like, these people were just like chilling. Like this was the day for them. And I just laughed myself because I was like so on edge and so type A where I was like, I'm going to go find her where she at. Like, let's just all get together and team up as one and we're going to find. And so it was just, so I found that that was funny. And that incident made me wonder if other people go through something similar like this, where like they're still living like their daily life while dealing with cancer. So that was like another funny experience. But yeah, I had so many weird ones. Like I knew the, the guy who gives your, your anesthesia, yeah. strangely, I went to college with his sister randomly and I come out of, you know, I, they do the surgery and I come out of it and all of a sudden he sticks his phone in my face and he's, FaceTiming with his sister. And I was, and my, you know how your hair is all a mess. I haven't talked to her in 20 years. And she's like, hey, and she's, she's FaceTiming me from Israel, I think. And she's like, hey, how are you? What's new? And I'm just like, oh my God, get away. Like, what are you doing? It seems so inappropriate and but funny and stuff. So like, those are the kind of weird things that happen to me all the time. <laughs> so funny i really because i was put into a menopause and then you have chemo so my brain yeah. is not in a good way i remember um sitting in the waiting room waiting for my radiation i sit there thinking why are these men all wearing the same shorts I'm thinking this is so weird was there a special is this a type of shorts that middle-aged men like to wear this is so strange and i mentioned it to the radiation um technicians i was like why are there so many people wearing the same shorts and they said they're here to get their prostate set <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and, and you're like oh, oh, oh that, makes that makes sense so i must have been booked in with all the prostate patients I oh my god why are they, what are these shorts <laughs> oh my god well i just think the whole i don't know if you had this experience with the radiation but like I just think like with all the medical advancements, the way that they would say, we're going to make sure that the radiation doesn't hit your heart is you're going to hold your breath. I just think that is like so crazy to me that that is where we've come in like the medical advancements, that it's about me holding my breath and not moving. And I'm like, 
could we have come up with something better than that by this time? It just cracks me up, like some of the things that they make us I do. Know. I always say as well, my oncologist knows most about my body and my bodily functions out of anyone on this planet. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Cause you have to, they have to see everything. I mean, what type of cancer did you have? Did you have breast, breast cancer? cancer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like how often we just take off our shirts, like it's no biggie. Like we're just like, like there are times when I go to do and they're like, oh no, we're not doing that today. <laughs> I just like, oh, sorry. It's so mortifying. I'm like, okay, let me put my shirt back on now. So I know it's just like the whole thing is just so odd. And I think that's why I found it so funny is I feel like people always focus on the disease yeah. and cancer and how bad it is, but they, there's like so many things along the way that are just weird, like just weird. Like, you know, it's a, yeah. So that's how it all came about. It's so weird. <laughs> and I, I just have to share this just hitting things I'm getting overexcited but this one story I like to share about when people talk about chemo brain because I went on a bit of an online spending binge as well because and I warn people yeah. now that this happens when you have a lot of oh, sure does. it's happening a lot to me this time around I'm just like what money yes yeah. <laughs> and I my package wasn't getting to me something happened and I had to call New Zealand Post which is our you know national post yes. service and they kept asking me what my address was and I'd be like it's 159 blah 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 and they're like we can't find you and I was like this is so weird it's an established house it's been here since the 30s this is weird and I was adamant that that was the number and they were had to launch this whole investigation into why this wasn't coming up on a map. And the next day, my partner and I had been for a little walk and we walked past and down the driveway and we go past the letterbox and I was like, oh, we're 59. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I've totally been there though, where you're like, because you're thinking about a thousand things at once and you're like, oh yeah, my address isn't that. <laughs> That's the best. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. It has been such a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. And I really like to sort of round out our conversation. And one of the things that I think that, you know, a lot of people sort of, you know, it's a struggle of what do we say to people who have had cancer or, or going through cancer? What do you think is the best way to I guess, talk to someone if they tell you you've been diagnosed with cancer or that your friend has cancer. Yeah. I mean, I guess just being there for them and just, I will say one thing that it's hard to avoid, but it gets tough to constantly repeat the story over and over again. We're like, you're having to go through it I, over and over and over again. So I think, you know, maybe just, you know, talking about non-cancer topics sometimes helps, or, you know, I think that, you know, asking them, I really like people who say things like, how about I bring you a meal as opposed to saying, let me know what I can do because I never know what to tell you. You know, I'm like, well, you could come clean my apartment, but I don't know if that's good. You know, I mean, but it's, so I think that like saying, Hey, I'm going to bring you a, a meal. What day works best for you? And then that was great. I had another friend who said, I'm going to text you and just say, I'm thinking about you, but you don't have to text me back right away. That's not that important. And so like taking away those added stresses I think can be really helpful for those going through cancer. I think just saying that, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here to make you laugh. If you want to cry, whatever you want to do with me, I'm here and I can be that person for you. 
But at the same time, you know, I can also be the person who drinks wine with you or the person who eats chocolate and, you know, or that talks about guys or girls or whoever, you know? And so I really think it's just taking a little bit of that stress off of a cancer patient because there is so much stress to like kind of trying to make everybody else happy too. Like you want them to be as informed and you want them to know that, that you got their text and you want, and it gets overwhelming sometimes, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice. Where can people find you? Where can they read these hilarious stories or come connect with you? Yeah, no, I'd love it. Well, our website is humorbeatscancer.com and that's where we have our blog stories. And so we have a lot of funny blog stories from people's funny stories from people's cancer journeys. And then we are real active on Instagram. And so we post funny stories. Every Wednesday, we do a writing prompt, throw out some random question and people share their ideas about it. We also share the blog posts. And so we're on Facebook and Instagram at, at Humor Beats Cancer. And then we're on Twitter at Humor Beat Cancer. And um, so we're in those two spots. And then if anybody wants to contribute or has anything funny to share, just reach out. My email is editor at humorbeatscancer.com. So if you have any ideas, if you want to get, get involved in some way, we would welcome it. It's We're here for everybody to give them a laugh while they're dealing with cancer in some way. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll put all those details in the show notes as well. So Thank easy you. to find. Thank you again. It has just been such a pleasure. Oh, same here. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. The C Word is every Sunday at 11.55am on Auckland's 104.6 Planet FM and anytime at www.planetaudio.org.nz forward slash the C Word.